just experienced is a little taste of the story. So if that's a part of the story, and if the story is the story of God, the story of the Bible, what was that song about? Who was the person it was describing? David. King David, the, the little boy who tended the sheep, the little boy who took down Goliath, the little boy who became the king. So what you just experienced is what we're going to experience on Palm Sunday in all three services, Saturday and Sunday, and then again Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Now imagine, if you could, that instead of words on the screen, you're actually seeing the story lived out that the song has been. That's what the story is about. So I'm asking you to begin thinking now, who are your friends and your extended family members who you know that kind of a presentation of the story would touch their hearts? So why don't we talk to the author of the story for a minute? Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that the story is all about you. Thank you that it's your story. You're the one, oh God, who came up with the idea of a universe and a planet that would sustain the life of a species of beings called human. You're the one who came up with the idea of a redemption rescue plan to rescue humanity from self-destruction. Even though that plan would require you, God, the author of life, coming here to give your life so we could be rescued from our self-destruction. It is a remarkable story. Thank you for the nearly 100 men and women who have been spending many weeks preparing their hearts, their minds, their voices, their instruments to bring us Palm Sunday weekend to an encounter with the living God like maybe we've never had before. God, what would you like to do with it more than simply entertain us? Because you don't do anything for entertainment, do you, God? You do things on purpose. You do things on the purpose of drawing people to an encounter with you. And that's why we've come here this morning. Normal folks, all of us, having walked the journey of life the last week or two or three since the last time we were here, now this morning needing a fresh encounter with the author of the story. I'm ready, God, and I trust that these, my friends, are for a fresh encounter with you in these next moments. Why don't you ask him to touch you right at the point of your need, the God who made you and who loves you and who knows you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to dismiss our children, the little ones up through grade four, to some wonderful adults who know the story very well and who have been preparing to teach these little ones the story of Jesus. They were really a pretty normal family, it would appear. A mom and a dad and two sons. Living in a small town, big city, was only a few miles away so they could get almost anything they needed. Times were actually pretty good. And then darkness began to set in. It stopped raining. Crops dried up. Animals that need pasture couldn't find grass and they started dying. Famine had come to the land. 
and dad needed to make a really important decision. Do I pack up my family and leave behind our home and our land and everything that we know and go to another place where maybe, maybe we can survive for a while or do I stay and somehow eke out an existence here? Choices. We all face them, don't we? All the time. And sometimes they can end up to be life or death choices. Our theme verse this year, and you've seen it many times on the screen, actually two theme verses that call us to choose life. To consider that the thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come to make it possible for you and I to choose life and live life to the fullest. Because... With every additional day we live, the footprints that we leave in the sand behind us, if we'll look back occasionally and look at the lives that we've lived, the footprints will tell us the story of the choices that we have made. Am I right? This dad faced one of the most difficult decisions you could ever face. And he and his family chose, let's pack up and go. So they did. They went east across the border to the next country. In those days, that country was known as Moab. Today, it's known as Jordan. The little town they left, you could visit today. It's called Bethlehem. The mom's name was Naomi. The dad, Elimelech. Two sons. They found food. They found work. But Moab became a dark place Elimelech grew sick and died, leaving Naomi a widow with two sons. May I ask a question? When life starts to feel painful for you, where do you go? We all have a Moab, a place where we go. Maybe it's just in our minds. When life is getting really stressful and we need an escape, Maybe for you, it's, it's non-stop television and you just sit on the couch and zone out. Where do you go when your heart hurts? Really hurts and you need a Moab, a place of escape. Is there a place that you actually physically get in your automobile and you drive there? That's why there's a bar in almost every corner in America. It's a Moab. A place where people can go when life hurts. I've left a place in your notes where you can write down your Moab because we all have one. Where is your Moab? Is it safe for you when you go there? Is it healing for you? Do you find the answers that you're looking for? Is it peaceful there for you? Or could it be that like Naomi and her family, your Moab actually becomes a place where it becomes more painful than it was? Moabs can sometimes become dungeons, can't they? The two sons grew up and they married, but they married foreign women that would not be welcomed if Naomi ever chose to go back home again. Moabites and Israelites didn't like each other, just like today, Jordan and Israel. But at least she had two sons and they had wives and maybe she could build a new future there. We don't know how or why, but first one son and then the other got sick and died. Now widow Naomi is left without husband or sons, 
living in a foreign land with two daughters-in-law who would never be welcome if she ever tried to go back. Moab can become a very dark place. May I ask you a question? When you find yourself in a painful place and you're tempted to go to wherever your Moab is, do you find that it takes you away from God or closer to God? Now think about that. Wherever you go in your mind when life is getting painful, is it taking you toward God or away from God? Wherever you go in your heart, wherever your footsteps take you when you're trying to escape the pain, is it taking you closer to God or away from God? Please ask yourself the question and look honestly at the footprints in your sand because my guess is for most of us, the first place we go takes us further away from God. And it gets... It gets more painful there. Do you agree with that, friends? And my guess is if we're really honest, there's somebody sitting in your row this morning who has gone into that Moab place. Maybe it was last night after the family all went to bed and then they closed the door in their little home office and they put on the computer screen and they went to that dark place and they're sitting here this morning overwhelmed with guilt and shame because they can't get the images out of their minds. While in that dark Moab place, Naomi heard good news, at least for them. Rain had started falling again back home, at least what used to be home. Crops were growing. Pasture land was starting to turn green again. Animals had food to eat, and she began to think, maybe I could go back. But then overwhelmed with the guilt and the shame and the darkness of Moab, no, no. But then looking into the eyes of her daughters-in-law, but I can't imagine myself spending the rest of my life here in this dark place. So she tells her two daughters-in-law, you stay, I'm going. This is your home. You'll never be welcome there. The one agrees, you're right, Mom. But the other says something remarkable. No, I will never leave you. I'm going with you. Your people will become my people. Your home will become my home. Your God will become my God. Now that amazes me because there must have been something inside of Naomi, even though life was incredibly painful, something that let young Ruth begin to discover that the God of Naomi was in fact a true and living God. Until, until you get to the end of the first chapter of Ruth, which is where you find this story tucked away in an Old Testament book named Ruth that you probably haven't read in a long time. But as you come toward the end of the first chapter, Naomi and her daughter-in-law arrive back in Bethlehem. And evidently, some of the women who had known her, they see her and they say, you look old and wrinkled and it looks like life has really taken its toll on you but but it appears to me that there might be Naomi inside of you somewhere are you the Naomi who left here so many years ago and her response yes but don't call me Naomi call me Mara it means bitter Call me Mara because the Almighty God has made my life very bitter. I went away from this place full, but the Lord has brought me back 
empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty God has brought misfortune upon me. First question, where is your Mara? And what happens to you when you go there? Second question, are you willing to be really honest with yourself? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you said, God, life really, really hurts. My life is a mess and it's your fault. That's what she said. I left here full. I've come back empty and it's God's fault. He did this to me. Can you be honest with yourself? I was there once. A little more than 30 years ago. Mom and I were pretty close. Mom wasn't feeling well. And the doctor said words that made us want to choke him. Kidney cancer. Maybe six months if you're lucky. Radiation. Chemo. Didn't make much difference. So we decided as a family, let's make the most out of every day we have for as long as we can. And God, we're trusting you. This is a missionary family after all. <laughs> Look what we've done for you. We went to the mission field. Of course you're going to heal mom. Six months. A funeral. And it's your fault. And it's not fair. So don't ever ask me for anything. Now I'm not proud of that, but that's where I was. Right where she was. Our theme this weekend, if you were part of our Catalyst Conference, was one word, rebound. And we had standing before us, and if you missed it, oh my goodness, you missed one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my lifetime. A man who should have been dead, nine years old, burned over 100% of his body, but who in that disaster met Jesus, and he stood right in this place, and he told us the stories, didn't he, men, over and over again, that were remarkable, amazing, life-changing stories of how his life has changed. So I want to build today on what we experienced this weekend. Even if you weren't there, I want to give you three statements. Here's the first. Rebound is always possible with God. Amen? No matter what your Mara is, no matter what, pardon me, your Moab is, no matter where you are in a dark place, rebound is always possible with God. Always. That's why I'm standing here with you. He rebounded me out of that dark place. The last few lines of the first chapter there of, of Ruth <laughs> tells us this. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now, now may I tell you that I've read that multiple times over the years and really not paid much attention to it. Except the last few weeks, I've been asking you to join me on a journey toward Passover and Easter. Because of the power of Passover and Easter and what God would like to do in our world, in our day, this Easter. You know when the beginning of the barley harvest is in Israel? Right about Passover time. 
Now, Passover is not mentioned anywhere in the story of Ruth, but it's another one of those stories through the Bible that shows us that at this time of the year especially, it seems to me God delights in unleashing His power. Last week we looked at His rescuing power. This week, may I invite you to consider His rebounding power. But it calls us to ask the question, my friends, is God sovereign always or sometimes? Is he a holy, good, loving God always or sometimes? Is God sovereign and holy and loving when you're living in Bethlehem and the rains are falling and all is well? Is he sovereign, holy, and good when you're in Moab and it's dark and painful? So what do you think? And what have you experienced in your lifetime? As Naomi and Ruth begin to settle down in Bethlehem, they are among the poorest of the poor. In those days, nobody cared for widows. So the second truth I want to give you this morning is rebound with God is not only possible but but rebound is a partnership with God may, may I use that phrase Re rebound from the disasters of life happen in a partnership with God so evidently it tells us in chapter 2 that, that Ruth says to Naomi we're starving I've got to do something so she goes out because it's the barley harvest time into the fields to see if she can find a place where she can collect some of the scraps of the the fields left behind. You see, in those days, God in his kindness had said to his people, when you're harvesting the harvest, don't harvest all the way to the edges. Leave some for the poor who can come and collect something. And if you drop some of the harvest to the ground, don't pick it up. Leave it there so the poor folks can come and have something to pick up. That's why Ruth went. But what field should she go to? A little more than a hundred years ago, a man said something that has changed my life. I have it on a plaque in my office. I can't do everything, but I can do something. That which I can do, I ought to do. That which I ought to do, with God's help, I'll do it. John Armott. If you find yourself in those dark Moab places, you got a choice. Crawl under your bed and hide there and wait for somebody to rescue you. Or do something. Do something. Ruth says to Naomi, we can't just sit here, we're starving. I will go and find a place where there's grain to be picked up by poor folks like us. And I'll trust God that somehow he'll help me find the right field. So it tells us in chapter 2 that, that as she goes out and finds where the harvesters are harvesting, unknown to her, she finds herself in the field of a man named Boaz. <laughs> God's sovereignty. As she took a step, he guided that step to a safe place. Uh, Mr. Boaz comes from uh, the town a little later in the day to check on how the harvest is going, and he says to his uh, harvesting uh, crew chief, Wow, looks like it's going pretty well, but I don't recognize that lady right over there. When did we hire her? Oh, no, no, we, we didn't hire her. She's one of these poor folks, but she's an amazing woman. She's the one who came back with Naomi from Moab, and she's a very hardworking woman, and 
She hasn't taken a break since early this morning except one little break. I've heard about her. And Mr. Boaz goes over and says to her, your reputation is beginning to spread. You're a good woman. You have done good things, courageous things to help care for your mother-in-law. You just stay safe in my fields. There's dangerous places out there where you could be harvesting. You stay in my fields. You follow my workmen. And when you get thirsty, you drink from the water that they have collected out of the well. You'll be safe here. Do you see God's sovereignty at work? A woman who who is trusting in God, she's just beginning to get to know, and a God stepping into that trust and providing her a sovereign protection. Rebound happens, my dear friends, when you take a step. And you meet that God, you find that God is sovereign over all, and He meets you in that place and He guides you to the next step. Amen? That's how it happens. It doesn't happen when you sit with your arms crossed waiting for something to happen. <laughs> Naomi comes home, pardon me, Ruth comes home at the end of that day, her shawl full of the, the barley she has harvested that day, and she tells the story to Naomi. Naomi says, What did you say his name was? Mr. Boaz. Boaz? How did you find his field? I I don't know. I guess it was God. Do you know who Boaz is? No. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. So? You don't know what a kinsman redeemer? No, we don't have those where I come from. What are they here? Ruth, we are God's people. God has designed it so that we live differently than any other people on the planet. When God brought my ancestors out of Egypt, he brought us to the mountain and he explained how much he loved us, his treasured possession. He explained the guidelines for living our lives in a way that honors him and shows to the world what it looks like when a people live in relationship with holy, almighty Jehovah God. God understands husbands die, leaving widows. And sometimes widows' sons die, leaving them all alone. And so he taught us about something called a kinsman redeemer. It means that when when the husband dies, leaving the widow all alone, the husband's closest kin, a brother perhaps, will assume responsibility for the widow and take her into his home and protect her and provide for her. And if she's a young woman and eligible to be married again and perhaps have children, he'll marry her. And they'll have children together to continue the family line. Isn't it an amazing idea? Yes, Ruth answered. You see, part of what was happening there, my friends, and this is so vital, as you and I, in partnership with God, move out of our Moabs uh, under the journey of healing and hope with God, He very often brings into your life other people in whom He is doing great things. Do you agree with that? We don't do life alone. We do life in community. Are you one of those kinds of people that God is bringing into the life of someone else who he is beginning to lead out of their dark Moab and you're there, a Boaz? May I give you a third principle? Rebound moves me into God's larger story. So days go by, Ruth is harvesting the grain like a poor person, bringing it home. And Naomi says, Ruth, we can't keep doing this forever. You're still young. You could be married. 
here's the plan. Dress up pretty tonight. Put on some of that nice stuff. Go out to Mr. Boaz's field. And after he's eaten his supper and he's laid down, watch where it is. And then go over and just pull back the corner of his blanket just a little bit and lay down at his feet. Can't you just hear Ruth saying, what? Is that how you do things here? That's the way you look for a husband in Israel? <laughs> okay. Whatever you say, Mom. That's the way it is with mother-in-laws, right? Whatever you say, Mom. So she did it. Boaz, evidently, had had such a good supper, he didn't notice. But in the middle of the night, he woke up. So the story of Ruth tells us. And you know, so my goodness, there's a woman laying at my feet. She smells pretty even in the middle of the night. Who are you and why are you here? I am your servant, Ruth. I've been gleaning in your fields. May I paraphrase? I really don't know why I'm here. Mom told me to do it, but here I am. <laughs> you stay here. It's safe here. And she said to him, spread your garment over me. You're my kinsman redeemer. Friends, that grabs me. You see, when you and I face the choices in the dark Moab places, the place that God invites us to come is to Jesus. You're my kinsman redeemer. Please, spread your garment over me. It, it means accept me, protect me, love me, receive me. Have you considered that when you see Jesus as your kinsman, redeemer, that not only is he your redeemer, your rescuer, but he brings you into the family, God's family. And he brings you in with all the junk that is a part of your life and mine. And he never says to us, go clean yourself up first and then come back. No, 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 no. You see, Ruth was coming saying, I'm coming with all that I am and all of the baggage and the fact that I'm a Moabite and I know I'm not welcome here, but please, would you be my kinsman redeemer? That's where hope is found. Do you agree? When we come to Jesus, just like we are, carrying all the baggage of our life, and he spreads his garment over us, may I, may I say it? What he does is he, he embraces us with his arms, his nail-pierced, scarred hands, saying, I paid the price for your pain and your baggage and all your wrong choices, and I embrace you, and I draw you into the family of God. Now, in Ruth's particular case, Mr. Boaz says, there's a little problem. I'm not the closest kinsman redeemer. There is another who really has the right of marrying you and taking care of you. I'll meet with him tomorrow. And the story goes on to say that, sure enough, he went and he sat in the gate of the city, which is the way they did it in those days, and he calls the man Mr. Closer Kinsman Redeemer <laughs> because his name isn't mentioned. Naomi has land to sell, and it's time. The man says, no, I'm not prepared to do that. You do it. So Boaz then stands in front of the, of the men of the city. You are my witnesses. I declare here and today that I am becoming the kinsman redeemer for Naomi and her daughter-in-law. I will take them into my family. I will pay their debt as I assume their land. I will care for them. You get the picture in your mind. 
There was a moment in time where the Lord Jesus Christ stood up in heaven, I believe, and said, I, I, I am declaring here today that my friend Alex is becoming my son. And I accept him into my family with all of his baggage and all of his pain. I'm declaring here today that Jamie is my daughter and I'm drawing her into my family and with all of her stuff. Can you imagine how exciting that is for Jesus to stand and make that proclamation over you and over me? Own that. Celebrate that. And it's a forever proclamation. Thank you, Jesus. Rebound is possible only because of Jesus. Always, anytime, anywhere. Amen? Uh, rebound happens, don't you see, when, when you or I come to Jesus and say, please, I need you to be my kinsman redeemer. I can't do this on my own. And he pays the full price and he applies it fully paid to our debt, draws us into his family. But more, he draws us into his story, my friends. He draws us into his story. That's part, Pastor Mark, of why I'm so excited for us to see the story. You and I are written into the story of God, the timeless, global, all generations story of God. So Mr. Boaz marries Ruth. And as sometimes happens in weddings, in their expression of love to one another, a child is conceived. A very closing picture in the wonderful story of Ruth. Naomi is sitting on her front porch in a rocking chair holding her grandson. Her grandson. And they named him Obed. Do you see the contrast between where she was in the darkness of Moab and the great joy of a life fulfilled back in Bethlehem holding her grandbaby that was only possible because of God's sovereignty and a kinsman redeemer? How far is it from the darkness of Moab to the wonder of Bethlehem when God has again returned prosperity to the house of bread, which is what the name Bethlehem means. For Naomi, from the pain of being called Mara, bitter, broken, to holding Obed. But there's more. And Obed became the daddy of Jesse. And Jesse was the daddy of King David. If God had allowed dear Naomi to live just a couple of more generations, she would have seen the birth of the king of Israel, King David. She would have seen the David and Goliath experience perhaps happen, or at least heard about it. And if that wasn't enough, if God would have allowed her to live just a couple more centuries, like maybe 11 centuries or so, <laughs> sitting there, old Naomi would have seen that little town of Bethlehem just overflowing with people because a census was happening. And into that town, you know, would come a young dad and his very pregnant new wife. And believe it or not, born in a stable of all places, a little boy named was born into the line of David. The great, 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 and some grandson, in a sense, of Obed. Do you see what happens? 
We're faced with this choice so often, aren't we? We can live in the dark, painful reality of our Moabs that we ourselves have usually gone to in trying to escape some of the pain of life, and it just got worse there. Or we can recognize that rebound is always possible with God. Amen? Always. And rebound with God happens in partnership with God. And rebound brings you into the purposes of God. Now think about it. Because if you're not in Moab today, you likely will be fairly soon. Unless you choose not to go there when life gets painful. And if you don't find yourself in Moab today, if you think about your family members and your friends and your co-workers, it shouldn't take very long and you can find a whole bunch of people who are living in the bondage and darkness of Moab today. Do you agree with that? Have you moved from the darkness of that Moab place to the great joy of living what Jesus had called life to the full in relationship with Jesus? Have you learned the warning signs when you are starting to walk toward Moab because it's painful? And can you recognize, I shouldn't be going this way. I'm walking away from Jesus. I should be going toward him, huh? 30 years ago, there was a series of events, including a missions trip to Haiti, where I hadn't been in more than 20 years. God rescued me out of my Moab and turned my anger and my Mara bitterness into a life that said, God, I'm sorry that I got angry with you. (laughs) What was I thinking? (laughs) Here's my life. Whatever you'd like to do. And when I think about the difference where I stand today having the privilege of knowing you and serving you, loving you, with where I would have been had I stayed in that Moab place. I'm fairly certain I wouldn't be alive today. How about you? Why don't we talk to the one, the only one who can rescue us out of that Moab and thank him right now. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the story of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the miracle of Obed. Thank you that because of you, rebound is always possible with a sovereign, holy, almighty God. Always. Thank you, O God, that rebound happens as we take our step of faith with you and you step into our step of faith and you guide us out of the Moab darkness into living life as Jesus described it to the full. And thank you, O God, that when we take those steps and you draw us in our rebound, you rebound us into your story in wonderful ways. Now make it personal, my friends, please, right where you're sitting. Honestly now, where is your Moab? And what happens to you when you go there? Talk to God about that. If you need to confess it and repent of it, do it. Ask him to help you stay out of those dark places starting today. If you need to take a step of faith 
do it today trusting that he'll meet you in that step are you ready to let him write you into his story in, even, in an even greater way invite him to do so and to show you whatever's getting in the way of him doing it in your life we worship you now Lord Jesus Christ